Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. I am back in the home studio in England, but joined today by a guest who is once again taking us transatlantic on the podcast. Um, I'm delighted to say that we're going to be talking all things entertainment, rock and roll, corporate entertainment. Uh, There's all sorts of things that I'm sure we're going to try and touch on in today's podcast with our guest. Our guest is Emma Teets and Emma is the Director of Sales and Events at the world famous Brooklyn Bowl and at their home and their original destination in Brooklyn in New York. Uh, Emma, thanks for joining the podcast today. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity and looking forward to our conversation today. Well, we are very, very grateful for the opportunity because as soon as it landed in my inbox, the invitation to say, oh, this is the guest and this is what she does. I thought, wow, this is great. You know, we could probably talk for hours on this. We've got about 30 minutes and we're going to try and fly through as much as possible. But as I said in the introduction, Emma, you are the director of sales and events at Brooklyn Bowl in Brooklyn, New York. Tell us a little bit, first of all, uh, about, but try and sort of paint a picture of exactly what Brooklyn Bowl is, what it looks like, what it sounds like. Absolutely. So Brooklyn Bowl, um, we specialize in a -a one-of-a-kind experience. We combine live music, award-winning food by Blue Ribbon, to, well, my location has two full bars and 16 bowling lanes, and of course, world-class hospitality. Um, So we are really just a unique venue in and of of itself. Um, And we have four locations around the country now. We have Brooklyn, our original location. We have Las Vegas, we have Nashville, and we have Philadelphia, our newest um, location. Uh, so it's just very exciting times for the company. We are growing and um, able to share our unique one-of-a-kind experience um, in more cities. And and just those four destinations that you just reeled off there for a, a venue and a, a, and a business that combines bowling, food, drink and music um those four destinations are absolutely ticking all the boxes straight away aren't they particularly for the music one you know nashville vegas philadelphia you know legendary musical status um so they're they're obviously uh really key geographical locations from that point of view when it comes to the original location in brooklyn though just as iconic you know some of the imagery that that conjures up how long has the venue been been in, in operation um, our location opened in 2009, so we are celebrating our 13th anniversary this year. Very exciting. Um, the building itself was built in the late 1800s, almost 140 years ago, wow. um, as an iron foundry. Um, so just a lot of history in our building, um, to say the least. I mean, we have done some pretty spectacular things in the 13 years we've been open um we've had legends grace our stage such as like robert plant stevie nicks snoop dogg um and we've hosted private events for companies across the board, Viacom, Spotify, Endeavor, finance companies, tech companies, nonprofits. Um, and we do a ton of social events too, weddings, bat mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs. Um, <laughs> so we really do it all. <laughs> now, this, it, I don't really know where to start today. So I'm just sort of going to crash in there about the, the, the importance of 
your type of venue in today's event market um, because of, of of the need, I guess, for people, particularly after the last 18 months, two years of, of lockdowns and restrictions and all sorts of things like that. There, there's a massive desire for people to really get back into social environments, into meeting environments, and to maybe combine business with some fun, with some social activities. So I guess really at the moment, this is a really, really key an exciting time for you guys as a venue to be talking presumably to a host of different organizations who want to come and use the venue for their events. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, just due to the unique nature of our venue, we can host a, a daytime conference for 300 people and easily flip the room to an after party with, you know, live band, bowling, buffet, um, past apps, full bar. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, people are itching to get back out and to interact with people. I mean, in this, I keep wanting to say post COVID world, but we are very much still in a COVID yeah. world. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just kind of a crazy whirlwind trying to figure out um, how to best do that, um, you know, given the uh environment right now absolutely and of course you know just on that subject you know the 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 breadth of client that you could potentially deal with um for your for your venue very much alludes to, to one of the points i wanted to make today which is about the events industry not being black and white you know that we we often and historically we pigeonhole the events industry in certain nice little boxes and it's it's not the case nowadays particularly i guess for a <clears> venue <throat> like yours you know it's it's not a black and white thing there are gray areas everybody wants something a little bit different and it doesn't matter how corporate you think the client is you know they may want something completely off the wall and and, and vice versa you may have people coming from a sector you know who are really really relaxed you know uh, and who maybe want something a little bit more formal um for the business event um what are your thoughts on 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 that kind of i suppose um premise that we really don't live in a black and white world anymore it really is gray when it comes to the events industry yeah i mean as actually as i was preparing for this i realized i've been working in the live events industry for about 10 years now which is just absolutely surreal to me um and i've learned so so much over the past decade um but you know honestly the most important concept is the fact that you know our industry is not black and white it's gray um one of my first mentors taught me that and i carry it with me to this day you know no two events are ever going to be the same no two clients will ever be the same um nothing in this industry is done with a set and forget attitude mm. um you know events are ever changing um, and having the ability to kind of rein in on that idea early on in my career um, was really invaluable and helped me set the stage for not only my own work ethic, but, you know, how I work with my clients. Um, and, mm. you know, especially right now, um, you know, we have to be flexible. Um, I mean, given the reality of covid yeah, i mean yeah. we're we're facing our you know third wave now of cancellations um due to covid in the events industry especially in new york um so you know it's kind of just taking it day by day um you know making mm -hmm. sure my clients know that i'm here um for them we're going to do this together we're going to get through this together um 
And but I guess just... I guess flexibility though is is something that's inherent in the events industry and event professionals yes. and people like yourself who've who've had a career in that industry. If you remove COVID from the equation, which I know is a difficult thing to do, yeah, flexibility <laughs> and adaptability and being responsive to clients' needs and requests, whether they be well in advance or last minute, is something mm-hmm. that's built into your very nature uh, nature as an event planner and event organizer. So um, whilst it's been difficult, would you, w- w- what are your thoughts on the fact that, that perhaps event professionals more than anybody have been geared up for this need to be flexible over the last two years? Yeah, it's inherently just in entwined in what we do um you know i've had clients like it's the morning of the event and they're like oh we need to change xyz like right now i'm like okay cool like let's figure it out there's always a way to figure it out um it's just you know staying calm making sure that you know you have to be prepared with plans a through z um Mm. you know because they you'll get everything thrown at you at the last minute. Um, And it's just a matter of, you know, um, holding it together and seeing it through. Yeah. And and if you don't mind me referencing the fact, and and you, you probably been very very modest by not, not mentioning it so far, but am I right? And said you you were at the Manhattan center uh, previously. So you worked with venues, including the Hammerstein ballroom, the grand ballroom. Um, You know, these are, you know, uh, even for somebody who's never been to New York, I've heard of these venues and I'm sure a lot of people listening to our podcast today will have heard of these venues. So, you know, your background is clearly in dealing with, uh, events of a of a very significant level and no doubt clients of a very significant level and working presumably with very very demanding clients sometimes yes yeah, so my experience at manhattan center um it was my first job in a sales role um it's funny because um you know through college i always said i do not want to do sales i do not want to do sales <laughs> um my first job in the live events industry i was actually working at a photo booth company um a lot of social events then i transitioned to cbs radio um did a lot of event operations there and then at hammerstein i was it was totally different um still was able to you know take my love for the event industry um and put it to use in a different way um in sales uh, there it was different we had a sales team and then we had a separate operations team um so the types of events we were booking there i mean huge stage build outs multi-day load-ins televised events um huge fundraising galas um I personally worked a lot with New York Comic Con. We did a lot of panels um, at Hammerstein for them. We did some after parties. I worked on the Nintendo World Championships one year with them. Um, you know, like I said, huge build outs, multi day load ins, really just, um, you know, the, the venues there, they're totally different um, mm. than what I work with now. The Hammerstein Ballroom is a raw space. I mean, it's, it's huge and it's, the possibilities are are limitless. You can, mm. you know, if you have the budget, you can build out the entire stage to take over the whole floor. I mean, you can really do anything. It's just, um, I definitely have experience in many <laughs> different types of venues and it's events. A, 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 and what 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 this does c- clearly, and I hope you don't mind me saying it, but that we've spoken a lot in the industry over here in, in the UK in recent years about. The, the importance of uh, of women really taking um, a, a lead in the industry, leadership roles, but also being in senior positions. And 
that's the same in any business and in, 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 in a lot of industries there's been a lot of talk about women taking and, and being given more senior roles um, so that there's a little bit more equality across all of the industries but in the events industry there are so many women doing so many great things um, how does it feel to sort of be able to look back even on, on that sort of 15 years and still relatively early in your career to, uh, and to be able to sort of look at some of the stuff you've achieved so far and to be in the position that you're in now with a great venue at your disposal to, to, to really utilize that client network I mean, I'm definitely thankful for the opportunities um, and the, the jobs that I have worked through to get where I am today. Um, I've had some, you know, incredibly strong female mentors in my career um, that have helped build and shape the professional that I am today. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you know, the importance of giving women a seat at the table, I mean, it's a no brainer. Mm. Science says that our brains are inherently wired differently. So first of all, it just makes sense to, yep. you know, bring a different perspective to the table. And that's invaluable in itself. But you know, allegedly, we're also better listeners, better communicators, more empathetic, more focused, more flexible to change, more patient. I mean, the list goes on allegedly. Yeah. Um, so. Well, no, no, I, I, a lot of people will <laughs> testify to this, particularly someone like me who's been married sixteen years. You know, I can <laughs> I, I, I can tell you that all of those things, in my own experience, humble experience, are absolutely correct. Absolutely, yeah. See, so um, you know, and you know, we just started the year twenty twenty two. I mean, it's. You know, we're getting there, we're making more progress, especially in the events industry, there are a lot mm. of female professionals. And I think that it just ties back into, you know, the nature of our industry not being black and white, it's gray, and you do need all of these, um, you know, pieces that fall together, and it kind of all like intertwines um, mm -hmm. in the ability to, um, you know, do our jobs. Mm, absolutely. One one thing I wanted wanted to ask today, from a a business development point of view, when you when you have, as I said, this this amazing venue, not at your disposal as such, but that, that you know that you are tasked with, you know, selling. Is it very much an incoming process? Is there is it just a constant flow of incoming inquiries, or is there a very proactive approach that you and, and presumably a sales team will take towards speaking to clients and really identifying new opportunities for events and business within the venue? What What is the balance, I suppose, between inquiries that come to you and you guys being proactive into the marketplace? Um, both are just as important. I really feel like it's a 50-50. I mean, during our busiest season at Brooklyn Bowl, I mean, my team is fielding 200 inquiries on a weekly basis, event inquiries. Um, but it's also just as important for us to get out there and be proactive and prospect. I mean, I've done the whole cold calling thing. It doesn't work. Um, you know, you want to tar make it targeted, make it make sense. Um, yeah. So there's kind of different ways that I've, you know, I, I was brought on to the Brooklyn Bowl team to kind of expand business development here and, you know, increase Brooklyn Bowl's presence in the special events world. Um, 
people who know Brooklyn Bowl know us as a music venue. People who don't know Brooklyn Bowl think automatically assume we're a bowling alley. Um, yeah, we have 16 bowling lanes. Yeah, we have different touring musicians play on our stage every night, but we're so much more than that. Um, so in terms of, you know, we our, our goal is to make people aware that we are a multi-dimensional special events venue that can host your next black tie affair or your tech conference and you know in order for us to be proactive about that um i am very involved in all the um the industry network all the industry associations and their local chapters mm. um attending networking events um participating in these events um you know showcasing brooklyn bowl we've in 2019 we hosted um some networking events at the bowl um you know it's a great mm. way to bring our venue to the forefront and get exposure to the right people um sure. we're partnering with neighboring hotels and venues local vendors um, nationally and internationally operating uh, DMCs to build that network, um, build that pipeline, um, you know, just make people aware of what our capabilities are here. Um, mm. You know, we've <clears throat> I've revamped our catering packages. We're working, developing exclusive and preferred vendor partner lists. Um, you know, the opportunities for prospecting. Um, are there so yeah. it's just us taking advantage of it and, and i guess that must be a fine balance to strike when it comes to networking with other businesses locally because in a city such as yours it's it's dog eat dog when it comes to sort of venues <laughs> and there are so many and so many events and obviously you know you're all fighting for business but similarly and i suppose the flip side to that is that you need to have those relationships don't you with other venues you see need to see what other venues are doing you need to understand what their pain points may be and share that understanding and knowledge uh so that there is a, a collective approach to an improvement i guess in 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 the service delivery yeah so i in in Williamsburg, um, so I'm not sure if you've ever been to Brooklyn at all, but Williamsburg I have is not, a neighborhood. I, I, regrettably, <laughs> no. Regrettably, no. One day, I'm sorry. One day. <laughs> when you when you do, you'll have to come to the bowl here, um, and we'll we'll take great care rest, of you. Rest, um, rest assured, I'm there. Yes. <laughs> Rest yes. Um, so in our neighborhood, when the bowl first opened in 2009, I mean there was one other thing and it was the Brooklyn brewery around the corner. Um, there was really, it was Big fan not, of that. Big yes, fan of that <laughs> we yeah. definitely serve. I think we're one of their top, um, clients in terms of how much beer we sell, which is, um, fantastic. Which is handy if they're uh, next door as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you know, I, I have not been with, the bowl since 2009 but the building has seen the entire neighborhood just grow into what it is today mm. um it's yeah. really an extension of manhattan at this point yeah. um well at this point if you don't mind me interrupting i did look on google street view before today's uh, I went on, on yes. Google and then I did the street view because, you know, it's just one of those things that I like doing, you know, just sort of having a look, see what the building and straight away, you can see that it's one of those old buildings from, you know, old Brooklyn mm -hmm. buildings or the industrial buildings from, like you said, the late 1800s. But I urge yep. anybody who's listening today to do the same thing. Just take five minutes, Google Brooklyn Bowl in Brooklyn, go on Google street view and have a look because you'll see what Emma's referring to. There's, 
there's clearly been development because there's new buildings and there's old, there are old buildings right next door and sometimes on top of each other. So it looks like a great neighborhood and sorry to cut into yes. there, but I just wanted no. to sort of let everybody know and urge everybody to go and do what I did. Yes. Yeah. So there, the neighborhood now is nothing like it was 13 years ago. Um, and we kind of have our own, you know, our, our neighborhood, you know, we're, we're friends with the, all the hotels in the area, the other venues that we had a new venue open up across the street. Um, you know, it's, it's important, um, in my opinion to develop these relationships because yeah, okay. You know, obviously there's competition across the street now, but you know, what happens if I get an inquiry that, you know, we have a show book that can't move or, you know, I, I want to keep it in the family, so to speak, you know, I want to keep them in the neighborhood, you know, and, and vice versa. Um, I think it's important to, you know, build a network of not only, you know, vendors that could be useful to you, but, you know, your competition, know your competition, um, yeah. you know, be yeah. friends with your competition because when they have a date that's not available, they could potentially pass the business over to me. And instead of just letting the client, you know, wander in, in Google searching New York venues, like, oh no, I have one that I can recommend you to right here. Mm. Um, so I do find that is extremely important in terms of just, yeah. you know, building the network. And, that, and that's selling, like you said, the neighborhood as well. You know, when when people find an area that they like, and that's in any city, anybody who's run events that finds an area that works for them because, right. you know, that they're good hotels or it's just got a really relaxed feel about it or it's got good restaurants and other amenities nearby. You know, once you find an area that you like to, to run an event in, as you quite rightly say, if the venue that you want is not necessarily available, but you can retain your events geographical location within that area that's going to help things you don't want to lose them to another part of the city and risk exactly. that they may ne never come back to your area as well exactly and to play off that you know 10 years ago Williamsburg was not what it is today we've all worked very hard to build the neighborhood and to get business out here I mean 10 years ago you know there let's say there's a corporate client who hosts their events in Manhattan they would scoff at you to be like oh come to Brooklyn like mm -hmm. but now that's not the case so you know we just definitely want to actively you know keep that up and uh you know, show that Williamsburg is super easy to get to. It's convenient. It's, you can take a ferry, you can take um, two, two different trains within walking distance. So it's, you know, just because it's in Brooklyn doesn't mean it's a hassle to get to. Um, and the neighborhood is uh, really incredible too. Mm. As somebody who is a massive live music fan and a very keen musician myself um outside of outside of this particular uh line of work um I, I must ask you about the music side of things and and given your background as well with cbs you know again such an iconic name in in broadcasting um over in the usa um ha, ha, have the connections that were made through your work at cbs even though it might be quite some time ago um helped when you've come into the environment at brooklyn bowl where music plays such an important role and and how how important is that role of live music within the operation yeah so um just to give a little insight on what my role was at cbs radio i mean i joined the promotions team i did street team patrols i did event operations i did office admin stuff. I mean, one day I could be driving our branded 
trucks out to um, New Jersey to table at a street fair with our whole booth set up. The next day I could be out on Long Island working a 16 hour day at an outdoor amphitheater on the operations team, preparing for 5,000 people to come and watch Casey and the Sunshine Band. Um, so I had mm -hmm. a ton of <laughs> hands-on experience in so many different areas of, you know, what's important you know they have different yeah. sponsors they have you know different artists that they're showcasing things like that so i kind of had my hands on a lot of different things there um and that was before i got into sales so that <laughs> was you know i was loving the event industry loving my job um and then i eventually got the job at manhattan center on the sales team but um in terms of CBS, I mean, it was incredible getting to, you know, work at all of these different live music events kind of behind the scenes. You know, I'd be, you know, there early setting up the green room. I once we had our, our radio station, Fresh 102.7, was doing their annual fall concert. And um, I was like standing side stage next to Fall Out Boy before they went on stage to perform. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's just like surreal um, and incredible. And I've just like experienced so many things like that. And um, for what we do at the bowl, I mean, we are first and foremost a music venue. I yeah. don't have any involvement in booking the talent here. Um, we have a separate department. We have our talent buying cool. department yeah. who does that. Um, and, you know, pre-COVID we were open seven days a week hosting musicians. Um, which is, you know, the the bread and butter of what our brand is. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, 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 it strikes me straight away as you're in that very, very unique position. A lot of people who do sales in venues maybe don't have that operational experience and maybe the hands-on experience of, of, of the events industry. A lot of people have worked their way straight, you know, into sales and maybe, maybe in different sectors of the events industry, you know, it could be exhibition sales for, for, you know, trade shows and things like that or, right. or consumer shows. But, you know, a lot of people who work in sales do tend to rise through the ranks and stay in sales. So it's interesting to hear that, that you've also got that operational aspect, which, I'm I'm guessing, and I hope that you're going to say yes, gives you maybe a, a slightly better understanding of the requirements operationally that event organizing needs to have, which maybe gives you a bit of a cutting edge when it comes from a, it comes to a sales side of things. A hundred percent. And actually my role at Brooklyn Bowl now is absolutely a hybrid of the two. I am doing the sales, but I'm also executing the event operations. Um, and what's unique about Brooklyn Bowl is we have not only the beverage, we don't only have the bar, but we also have all the catering in-house. So that's something that was kind of new to me when I joined the team um, at Manhattan Center. We had a list of exclusive caterers that right. could operate in the space. We didn't have our own kitchen, our own food in-house. So we would kind of pass, introduce the client, then they would take it from there, planning the menu, things like that. Um, but, you know, at Brooklyn Bowl, I have my hands on everything. Um, so I'm actively helping plan the menus, organizing the food service. We recently revamped all of our menus with our chef. Um, 
And mm -hmm. I'm doing all the event setup. I mean, I'm coordinating logistics with all of the vendors that are being brought in. Is there a photo booth? Are there any other activations? Oh, um, yeah. I, you know, have a incredible production manager that handles the advancing for the bands, but I'm still very much in the conversation in terms of, you know, logistically, what is the event looking like? What is the goal here? Yeah. Um, how how is it going to be executed? So um, I really, you know, my event operations experience at CBS Radio and my sales experience at Manhattan Center really just came together um, to open this incredible opportunity for me at Brooklyn Bowl. Um, and it's the best of both worlds. It, it's it genuinely there are people listening to this if they're anything like me and what i'm listening to them they'll be listening going that sounds like the best job in the world that sounds like the it's... best job it you know what's it like to go into work every day into something that must look exciting for a star and then to look at the itinerary for the day and think oh, great we've got those guys in and i've got to do that and i've got to do that it must be i guess challenging rewarding exciting all of those things every day it's all of the above. Um, as you can see, I'm remote today, but usually I am working out at the venue every day. Um, it does get a little um, annoying when we have to battle sound check. So <laughs> when I have a call scheduled at three o'clock, right when sound check starts, I'm going to have to go take it outside, even if it's 20 degrees outside. <laughs> or I'll find some other spot in the venue. But um, yes, it's, it's very exciting um, just to kind of be a part of it all. It's um it, it's been fascinating to talk to you today. And as I said right at the beginning of this episode, as soon as I saw the subject, I thought, oh, man, I could probably talk for hours. We could end up as a Joe Rogan. But, you know, it, <laughs> we, we, we like to keep it succinct and we like to hopefully whet the appetites of people who tune into our podcast so that they can maybe do a bit of exploration themselves. Because, you know, we know that even though, you know, I'm sat here in the UK, we know that there are people that tune into the Event Industry News podcast right across the world, right across the events industry internationally so um it, it doesn't matter if you're uk european based or us based um I, I would urge you to to do what i did first of all go and have a look on google street view at this venue because it is so cool you will look at it and you'll go i i want to have an event there straight away <laughs> um check out the guys um website and that, that brings us uh, nicely i guess um to, to to wrap up today's uh episode um emma um if people do want to find out a bit more about you guys what's the website what's social media twitter presumably all of those things you can check out brooklynbowl.com um it is our main portal you can access all four of our locations there um, find our full schedule of upcoming concerts. Um, you can inquire for special event inquiries there. And then our social handles are at Brooklyn Bowl. Um, so you can find us on all social media as well. That's fantastic. We've been talking today on the Event Industry News podcast to Emma Teets. Emma is the Director of Sales and Events at Brooklyn Bowl in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. And it's been absolutely fascinating to, to talk to her. Uh, before I say thank you finally uh, to Emma and Randolph, don't forget that if you are listening to this on one of your chosen podcast platforms, you can also see videos of all of our podcasts and indeed check out the latest news features and supplements by heading over to eventindustrynews.com. Of 
course, if you're already there and watching us today, well, hello to you. Thank you very much for tuning in and watching this video podcast today. And don't forget that you can also go in the opposite direction and go to your chosen podcast platform and listen to audio-only versions of all of our podcasts. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Our thanks once again to Emma Teets from Brooklyn Bowl. Joined us from New York. It's been fabulous to talk to you, Emma. Good luck with everything. And um, yeah, we hope to uh, maybe speak to you again soon. If you've got anything exciting, Likewise. To please do come back Likewise. on the podcast. We'd love to stay in touch. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. We'll see you on the next episode, guys. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.